This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. And if you have a Bible today, if you have a Bible, can you hold it up today? If you have a Bible, if you, know, if you have a Bible, hit someone next to you with your Bible. Bring your Bible to the church. If you don't have a Bible, just sit next to a Christian. <clears throat> They'll have one. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. You'll see it on the screen behind me in a moment. Uh, we're going to read from 1 Kings in a moment. But we are, we've been in a series called Faith Hacks. And the thought came out of life hacks, and I'm online, on Instagram, on YouTube. There's always these tips and tricks and knowledge that people give you about how to help you learn things without going through the hard way. People have learned things over years, and man, I need some, some tips and tricks how to work my computer. I need some things, how to, man, I YouTube things, how to change a toilet in my house. Come on, how to fix things and do things, and technology is changing so fast. If you can get some help, and there's all these life hacks and we thought, you know what, let's go through the book of Proverbs and pull out some faith hacks. Um, my team was not impressed, if you were here for week one, for my, my life hack of using spaghetti. How many were here for that to light a candle? Some of you thought that was amazing. Some people were not impressed with that whatsoever. My wife has candles everywhere. And on our patio, we have these long candles that I can't reach my hands in there with a lighter and light. So I've learned through a life hack, if you take spaghetti, uncooked spaghetti, cooked spaghetti will not work, uncooked spaghetti and you can light it at the end and it lights on fire and you can put it in these huge candles. And I thought that was impressive. My team, not so much. I've been getting more gifts like this. They're like, Pastor Mike, I got a life hack for you. It's called a barbecue lighter. Uh, you can buy them from Pizance and Lower Sackville or anywhere else. And I'm like, listen, get behind me, Satan. Uh, people, people aren't impressed. I thought it was more impressive using spaghetti. But apparently, no one was impressed with my life hack. So you know what? This series is over and we're done. No. Um, so today, more than giving you a life hack, I thought I'd give you some information. Did you know? I did not know this. I, I grew up saying this. Maybe you grew up saying this. But you ever learned something that you're thinking, I had no idea that's what that meant my whole life. I have one confession. I thought it was grapefruit, not grapefruit, most of my life. <laughs> Gonna put it in context, I worked in a produce store for nine years. And one day I was making the signs, and the British owner, a guy named Pete, says, Monk, what are you doing, pal? I'm like, I'm spelling grapefruit. He goes, it's not grapefruit, it's grapefruit. And I was like, this amazing moment hit me in this moment. Have you ever had that moment? Here's one I learned this week. The word tag stands for touch and go. How old were you when you learned that? I was this day's old when I learned that. <laughs> touch and go. You touch the money and then you run. It's called tag. Touch and go. Boom. Life has changed. We're dismissed. Go and change the world. God bless you. We're done here. No, I, I just think that's some of you aren't impressed with that. <clears throat> Again, uh, we hope you find a great church. This is probably not the one <clears throat> for you. Kidding, sort of. Okay. It's going to start reading today in First Kings. We're going to continue our series as we actually conclude this series on faith hacks, we're going through the book of Proverbs, and going pulling out some truths. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and I've realized that um, this Bible is not just historic, it's not just a book of poetry, it's not just a book of adventure or truths, it's actually a manual for our life. And sometimes people have their lives a mess, if they'd only read the life hacks or the faith hacks in the book, it will help our marriages, our parenting, our finances, our health, come on somebody, there is truth in this. This is not a book that you carry to church, this is not even a book you read, it's a book that reads you, and when you get into this word, something happens. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it, something happens. So today, we're going to pull out some truths in the book of Proverbs, but we're going to start in 1 Kings. Most of Proverbs was written by a man named uh, Solomon. 
Solomon was a young king, and he wrote most of the book of Proverbs. We pick it up here in 1 Kings, a story about his life and how he started his kingmanship. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 5. You'll see it hopefully on the screen behind me. It says, now, he was, getting, he was now king. David was his father. He's young. He has to live up to the legend, which is his father, who killed giants, subdued kingdoms, was a legendary king. Solomon is now walking out and trying to figure out what kind of man was he going to be. We pick it up here in verse 5, and it says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. But you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. So right away he starts off honoring his father, and honoring his God. That's a great way to pray. Always honor the generation ahead of you. Because you don't realize what they've done till you get to be their age. I appreciate my parents the older I get. Can anybody else relate to that? I realize the older I get, honor the generation. We're so honored. If you're here today, I want to say this. If you are gray hair or no hair, we honor you today. We know the music's loud. We know it's dark. We know we have bouncy castles and freezies and coffee. And for some reason, you want to come to this church. And we know it's your heart. It's because you want to believe that we can reach a generation. You want to use your experience and your effort and your resources to partner with God. And we honor you for giving up comfort for calling. And we know this might not be the service or the music that maybe you would pick. But these are the people you have picked. This is your tribe and your people, and we honor you today. I just want to say I salute you, I honor you today, and I love the older generation in this church. That was free, but that was so good. Yeah, we do. Verse 7, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of my own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10. The Lord was pleased with Solomon, had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth, or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such that no one else has ever had. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father did, I will give you a long life. That's a great prayer. So Solomon woke up, believed the dream, and God started to use him in wisdom. For the next few moments today, I want to unpack on Faith Hacks Week 3, this title, this thought, Crossroads. Crossroads. Look at your neighbor and say, we're at a crossroad. Let's pray one more time. Father, again, I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for our kids' ministry, which is excellently serving right now. I thank you for our production and our ushers and our worship and everybody that served today on our dream team. Father, I thank you for everyone that showed up today, really, to reconnect with you. Some uh, may have came in here today feeling your presence and your plan, and some may, to be truthful, feel far from you. And I pray today there would be room for their journey, no matter where they are today. Father, I pray those that feel you today would be encouraged. Father, those that feel far from you, that you would rush in, 
not in judgment, but in love today, and they'd feel your presence. Father, help me in these next few minutes. God, thank you for the amazing summer we had. And Father, I pray all the snow that's coming this winter would go to Moncton. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you're from New Brunswick, get over it. Okay. You remember a time in your life where maybe you made a wrong choice that led to you learning the hard way? Anybody have a story like that? Every guy in the room, your hand should be up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like somewhere you made a decision on your own, and it led to a bad choice, and you had to learn the hard way. Two come to mind. One involves our bass player, Phil. Uh, Phil, and I have the privilege of going on speaking at conferences and churches all over uh, North America, and one of these trips, I got a chance to bring someone with me, and, and Phil is always up for an adventure, and Phil said, I'll come with you. So I flew into Dallas, Texas, and it was an awesome trip, and picked us up, and they're hosting us, and we're preaching, and we're praying, and uh, a couple thousand teenagers, it's a great event, and then I was done preaching one night, and, and, and I was hungry, so, because I don't eat before I preach, uh, people say, how do you stay fit? I preach a lot, and I don't eat before I preach, it's a great diet, it's called the Nova Diet, come on, I encourage you to try it, Nova, no food, we put the no in Nova, no food, because uh, I'll vomit, and no one on the front row wants that when I'm preaching, and so afterwards, I said, let's go to Sonic, the restaurant. I say restaurant loosely. Uh, it's fast food. And so Phil was with me in the car, and the driver said, where do you guys want to go? I'm like, let's go to Sonic. And I just had this moment. The stress was off from preaching, and I said, Phil, don't look at the menu. Don't look at the menu. Just pick a number between 1 and 12 and just order it, and let's see what happens. <laughs> I do this because I don't like food. I like every type of food, but I'm not fussy. I'll eat anything. So I didn't look at the menu. Phil didn't look at the menu. So the guy's like, what do you want? I'm like, give me a number four. He's like, all right, he orders number four. I'm like, all right. They're like, do you want chili fries with that? I'm like, I want chili fries with that. Phil, in his wisdom in that moment, or his stupidity, didn't look at the menu. He followed me as the leader and just chose a number nine. He said, I'll have a number nine or number seven. I'll have number seven, number nine. He just chose a number. Listen, here's the wisdom. Never choose a number after five at Sonic. He chose a seven or a nine. He got a foot-long chili dog. Now, I want to tell you, it was one in the morning when we ordered this. Phil ordered that. I could see the regret on his face the second he ordered it. He's like, oh, wow, okay. I had myself a double hamburger. He had himself a foot-long chili dog with extra heat and extra everything. And uh, one of us slept that night, and, and the other one was Phil. He instantly regretted that. Another time in my life, I was 16, and I wanted to buy a car. And uh, I rejected my father's advice. My father wanted me to buy a Chevette. Now, if you don't know what a Chevette is... <clears throat> It is the ugliest car ever made in the history of the world, and Lower Sackville was known for Chevettes and Honda Civics. And of the two, Chevettes were the worst car. And uh, my father said, here's a great Chevette. You can just call it a vet. Tell people you own a vet. It's not the vet I would like to have owned. So I went against his advice, and on my own advice, went and bought a 1984 diesel Jetta. On paper, that sounds good, but you had to see this car. It had bullet holes in the hood. It looked like bullet holes. It was driven across the country and hailstorm. There was dents in the hood. It was barely working. The heat was stuck on. You couldn't shut the heat off, which would work well in Moncton in January, but in Halifax in July, it was not so ideal. And I bought this car, and I wanted to embrace being a new car owner, and, and I just thought I had this idea I was going to change the oil myself. Right away, you know where this is going. This is not a good story. This does not end well for me or the Jetta. So I, in my driveway, my parents, against my advice, go, Mike, spend the $20 and get Walmart to change your oil. I'm, no, 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 I'm a man's man. I have a car, and I have jumper cables. What could go wrong? And I proceeded to change the oil in this car. It took me six hours. 
to get the filter off with screwdrivers and, and sticks and vices and finally got, and I changed the oil. I was so proud of myself. I changed the oil in my car and I remember I closed the hood to the, it's called the hood, right? And I closed the, awesome, I'm so awesome with cars. And uh, I closed the hood to my car and drove off for a test drive in my victory of this oil change. I get about a kilometer away and my car starts stopping and going and halting and seizing up and I was so confused. So I pull over and I open the hood and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I remember I had lost the oil cap to the engine. So I thought, I have a rag right here. I'll just put the rag in that hole. See, some of you already know what's going on. The rest of you are like me. You're like, what's happening, Mike? You're, you're with me. <laughs> I put the rag in the engine compartment to keep oil from spraying all over uh, the hood. And after a kilometer, the engine, I didn't know there were pieces in there moving in an engine, pistons and crankshafts and valves and... and um, do flicky McGree, uh, things were in there, and it pulled the rag into the engine, and now it's wrapped around the inside of the engine, and the car stops working. Sold that car to some sucker for 1500 bucks, and uh, it quickly went bad, and I re regret it, and I learned the hard way. This series really is talking about the wisdom that comes from experience, from people, but also the Word of God, as we read from the book of Proverbs, so many of us are at a crossroads in our life. Solomon was at a crossroads in his life. He was become a new king. He was a young man. He was at this crossroads going, listen, I have more, uh, more future than I have history. What kind of leader was he going to be? In this moment, he asked God for wisdom, knowing he needed to know what he didn't know. I want to let you know today, what you don't know can't hurt you. There's a saying that says, what I don't know won't hurt me. No, what you don't know will kill you. Information is power. And God said, listen, I have a manual for your life. And he asked for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. I want to let you know today that, that I believe we are at a crossroads. As a church, we're at a crossroads in our marriages, in our parenting. And I want to encourage you today to pull wisdom from the Word of God. I've heard this line before. It says, I have no choice. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you felt stuck in a job and someone said, man, like, you should get out of that work. You know, I don't have a choice. I have to work here. Maybe you felt that in education. Maybe you've been in uh, abusive situations. Maybe you've been in financial situations. Maybe you've been in tough places where you felt like there was no way. Or you ever felt trapped before? I've had those moments where I just felt like I was backed into a corner somewhere in life and I had no choice. And I've said this, I have no choice. I want to remind you today there's a difference between choices and options. This will help you. It helped me a few years ago as I was navigating some change in my life. And I, I thought I was at a point in my life where I had no choice. Listen, you may have no options, but you always have a choice. I'm going to say that over here because it's going to help somebody. If you're feeling trapped today, there's a difference between choices and options. I heard a story of a young man when I was pastoring young people. He said, I don't have a choice. I can't go to university. No one in my family's ever gone to a college university. We have no money. I'm trying to, trying to get through. My parents can't afford it. We're barely getting by. He, was, uh, uh, he had a single mom raising him who are the heroes of our nation, single parents. And, and he, is, he said, I don't have a choice. I can't go to university. But somewhere he realized there's a difference between choices and options. He said, I don't have an option for university. But he quickly realized, I have choices. That young man went and took two, three jobs. 
He said no to the conveniences that some people his age as teenagers wanted. Said no to cell phones, no to eating out, no to movies and go-karting and leisure. And he made different choices. And it took him a while. It took him three years, four years to save enough tuition to go to university. But I want to tell you, he went to university and graduated from university. I've seen this time and time again that we think we have no choice. But what we're saying is we have no options. But your choices will determine your options. Today, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're struggling with, the Bible gives us choices that reflect and direct our options. I believe you choose to follow God. If you choose to obey God's word, if you choose to put your trust in God, you may feel trapped now, but options are coming your way. I believe what you plant today will grow tomorrow. The only control you have over what grows in your life tomorrow is what you plant today. That's what this whole thing about wisdom is, about these crossroads. Is if you feel like you're at a crossroads, know that choices affect options. God wants to direct your choices so he can increase your options. I've seen this over and over in my life where I felt trapped. I couldn't see the next page, the next chapter. I couldn't see the next step. But when I honored the Lord with the right choice... It's amazing how quickly, after some time, options opened up. God wants to direct, young people, listen to me. God wants to direct your choices now so he can increase your options later. Some of you in your businesses, in your marriages, you feel like, listen, if you would choose to treat them different, if you would choose to love, if you would choose to give, if you would choose to engage it differently with your choices, the options change. There's a power in that truth. I think the worst feeling is feeling hopeless and trapped, and hopelessness is a trapped feeling. I want to let you know today, if you feel trapped, you feel like you have no hope, you have no future, you have no life, listen, you have choice today. If you honor God and listen to what he says about your life, the options open up. Can someone say amen? Today I want to direct some choices and pull from Proverbs and speak in some areas of our lives as we close this, this, this series today, speaking from the book of Proverbs, that will affect your choices. Some things in your life maybe that you feel trapped in, Different areas I might mention today. Listen, you may feel like you're trapped and you may have no options, but if we do our choices based on the faith hacks of God's word, your options will change. Today, I want to encourage you with that, that God directs our choices. He speaks to our lives through community and through his word. I've learned this in life. God will speak usually one of two ways to me, through his word and through community. That's why we do this together. This is not just a service. This is not just a, a gathering of people. This is not an event. This is a community, and God wants to speak through this community to your life. There is marriage advice from people here that have a strong marriage, that have gone through some things that can help you go, hey, watch yourself there. You need to lean in there. Make some different choices. Listen, it'll help your options. Some of you, it's your business. There are some smart people in the business community that go to this church. Listen, I believe God speaks through community. You realize that? If you'll listen, you don't need to learn the hard way. You can take advice, unlike 16-year-old self, myself with my new car. If you take advice from people who've been ahead of you, God will speak through the community that you're in. And he also speaks through God's word. Today, I believe God's going to speak to your choices and he's going to change your options. First area I want to talk about today is finances and our money. It's amazing. People have, that's a hot topic, isn't it? I think the church does a lousy job talking about two things, sex and money. We avoid it. Listen, we're all thinking about it. We're all dealing with it. In your private moments, the stresses on marriages are usually financial and intimacy. The world revolves around finances and intimacy. And the church shies away from topics when we need to lean into it and help people. That's the difference between entertaining people and helping people is leaning into all areas of life. 
Some people get offended. Churches want your money. No, no. Money is just a tool. You can use $20 to buy drugs that can hurt your life, or you can spend 20 bucks to buy school supplies to help someone's life. It's just a tool. But I, I want to encourage you today that finances many times are choices in our life that leads to a crossroads. And God speaks about finances. Just to touch on it today in Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to read 6 to 11. You'll see it behind me. It says this, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Don't you like the word of God right there? Like, come on, tell me what you really think, God. You know, like, it pulls some punches there. You know, not my beloved. I don't know what version you have, but my version says you lazy bones. Uh, the message would be even more uh, aggressive than that. But take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, again, with the lazy bones. Really, God, we're getting the point here. How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I vision a game controller for an Xbox in there. Uh, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity, scarcity, pronunciation will attack you like an armed robber. Here's the truth today about finances. We're teaching our kids. My son got his first bank card last week and we're walking through a season of teaching about finances and some of you with businesses and stuff. And this is a truth from the word of God from that passage is that we, the dream doesn't work if you don't. Don't, don't mistake the, 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 the power in the simplicity of that statement. The dream doesn't work if you don't. The reason why many faith cultures and communities are susceptible to scams, can we get real for a moment, is because we have a culture, we believe that God blesses. Can someone say Amen. We believe God brings increases. Can someone say amen? But sometimes we don't want to put the work in. We just want the blessing. The Bible calls it the work of the Lord for a reason. That's why there's a book in the Bible called Job. All the church folk got that one. The book of Job. The work of God. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Listen, some people dream of changing the world. I wrote this down. But others stay awake and make it happen. Listen, the dream... Doesn't work if we don't. The Bible calls us partners with God. Partners with God. God doesn't do it for us. We partner with him. We are in a relationship. We bring what he ha we have. He does what he does. We bring our mess, our pain, our shame, our talents. We bring our increase. We bring our finances. We bring our future. And God partners with that and always upgrades you. I have a better marriage than I could have made on my own. I didn't deserve my wife. My parenting, God has blessed my family, my finances, my health, my relationships, my influence. God always blesses what we bring. But you've got to bring something. And finances, God wants you to know that, listen, laziness is not the same as holiness. People think that blessing negates working. No, no, I believe there's a partnership with God. Preparation time is never wasted time. The Bible says ants, they don't have someone saying, you gotta get up, you gotta get to work. They don't have a manager, a boss, a governor, yet they're motivated by the fact that they need to prepare. Preparation time is never wasted time. That's why I'm so amazed and impressed by the Nova Dream Team. I'm amazed by them. They're always working. They're always preparing. They're always building. Meetings no one sees to create moments many enjoy. We had this weekend, just all the time, people are meeting and planning. There are so many meetings happening now that I don't even know what's happening. But people enjoy moments in public, but they all come from preparation in private. 
there are sound checks and worship practices and people learning things and posters and promotion and supplies for kids. And we just don't entertain your kids. We minister to your kids. We, we teach your kids. There is lessons and preparation for all the kids, the cafe. There is preparation. Why? Because we believe that when others don't look at us, when no one's pushing us, when no one's watching us, if we work in private, God will honor in public. Can I encourage you with our finances? Laziness. The Bible talks about laziness, that a bandit will come in and rob your life, that laziness uh, is actually a curse and unwise, that there's something about working hard. That's why I believe that church people should be the hardest working people in our community. I think at your work, your boss should say, listen, I, I want more people from your church because you know how to work. I think in, in, in Scripture, Daniel, we look at Joseph, their work ethics elevated them. Sometimes the church has a bad rap that all we want to do is talk a good game, but we don't know how to show up and work. I think we should be hardworking, honoring in our speech, in our conduct. Can someone say amen? I think people should say, listen, I don't agree with your God and I don't want your faith, but go find your friends because you are the hardest worker I've ever seen. We have that kind of team here, and that's what the Bible speaks to. I want to encourage you with your choices. If you feel like, man, I don't feel it. I just feel like I need a break. I believe in rest, but I believe in preparation time. There's something about working hard. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Trust in your money and down you go. Bible's just saying it like it is. But the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. The Bible is saying, don't lean. That's what trust is, lean. If you trust this pulpit, you're leaning on. If you trust, something, you're leaning. In a marriage, you trust. All relationships are built on trust, which means you can lean on them. The Bible says, don't lean on money. Don't lean on your bank account. Don't lean on your retirement. Don't lean on your equity, don't lean on your assets, don't lean on what you own. It says, lean on, don't lean on, don't put your faith on money. Don't put your relationships based on money. Don't put your confidence on how much you make. Don't put your identity in what your job is or how much money is in your bank account because you will fall. It says, trust in God and you'll flourish. And I believe we are called as people of God to flourish. So many people are living the rat race and trying to survive when God's called us not to survive, but to thrive. I believe our marriages, our finances, I believe our families should be thriving. I believe when you join a kingdom, uh, a community of the kingdom of God, when you put these principles into place, I honestly believe over time, making the right choices, your options will show that your life flourishes. Some people walk in, they try God. They don't trust God. They try God for two weeks ago. My life's still a mess. My marriage is a mess. My finances is a mess. Listen, it took you 20 years to get yourself into that mess. Give God at least a few months. Come on, somebody. You've sowed. You have a bad crop. You've been growing for 20 years with your choices. Give God time to grow that seed that you're planting. Listen, give God some time. And I believe if you trust God, if we lean on God with your finances, we get paid every couple weeks. We get paid right away. I put my, my, my tithe, my offering. I text to give why. No matter what the bill is, why? Because my trust is not in how I can do my budget, though you need a budget because we work hard. My trust is not in who I know or what I know or what I'm getting. My trust is in God and through his wisdom and his direction, through counsel and his word, I believe my life will flourish. Can someone say amen? I also want to talk about today about Attitudes. Attitudes. Faith hack, what Proverbs says about attitude. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Helps the medicine go down. Remember that song? Was that Mary Poppins? What was that? How do I know that? I'm like 90 years of age. Okay. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit 
saps a person's strength. That's why the Bible says think on good things. Think on pure things. Think on hopeful things. It's not denying the reality, but I believe as a man thinks, so is he. Attitude is absolutely everything. We as parents, we're going through this with a teenager and a soon-to-be teenager. We are less concerned about actions and more concerned about attitudes. The right thing done the wrong way is still wrong. My kids can obey us, and then they eye roll and sigh. Is it only my kids? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, Nancy's like, hey, Josh, can you take the green bin out? We're cleaning up. We're doing things. Can you take the green bin out? And he's awesome. But once in a while, there's this little, he gets it from his father. There's this little, doesn't that just great? Come on, parents. Come on, somebody. My mom and dad's like, yeah, I know someone just like that, right? You know, that eye roll, you know, like, I'm doing it on the outside, but I'm not doing it on the inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm standing on the outside, but I'm sitting on the inside. I may amen on the outside. I may lift my hands. I may come, but on the inside, I'm saying my attitude is different. Attitude is absolutely everything. The Bible says when you do something, it says a cheerful heart is good medicine. I want to let you know today, we may be making the right choice the wrong way. And you're wondering why we're not getting the right result. Attitude's everything. Some of, your fi- some of you, your finances, uh, you're, you're making the right choice with your finances, but there's no joy in your heart. That's why the Bible says he, he wants a cheerful giver. Can I encourage you? If you have a hard time giving your money to the kingdom of God and you don't do it joyfully, don't give it. That's not a trick question. Don't give it. Because the right thing done the wrong way will give you the wrong result. Attitude is absolutely everything. The Bible talks about a cheerful giver. Why? Because attitude is the ground you put your choice in. I can be faithful to my wife, but the wrong attitude will make a miserable marriage. On paper, I'm home, I'm supplying, I'm saying the right things, but if my attitude is wrong, how many know my product will be off? Attitude is everything. That's why even as a team, we have more conversations about attitudes than we do actions. Because we know if the attitude's right, then we'll have no problem with the actions, and we'll, have the great, and we'll have a great result. That's why this team, again, amazes me. In the middle of the heat and the summer and vacations, and people are obviously pregnant on this stage. My God, their blood doubles when you're pregnant. Did you know that? I knew that. Did you know tag means touch and go? You know, uh, In the middle of all the stuff, the attitudes excel. If you have the right attitude, you'll get the right atmosphere. My wife preaches at me and the kids all the time. And she says this. She says, ABC, ABC. Now, if you're in my home, you know what that means. Nancy then goes on and says, attitude affects behavior, and behavior affects choices. A, B, C. Attitudes, behaviors, and choices. My wife all the time says, listen, I don't know, A, B, C, get your attitude right. It'll change your behavior, and then you can make the right choices. Because she knows what I've learned is that attitudes affect altitude. I believe if we work on, listen, why is something frustrating you? Deal with your attitude. Why, why, why are you dealing with jealousy in that moment? Deal with your attitude. I believe you make the right choices at an attitude level. The Bible says a cheerful heart. Some of you are so weighed down. This is free, by the way. If social media is causing you to be jealous or frustrated, you need to remove it from your life. It's a proven statistic right now that social media has the same addiction as drugs. I enjoy social media. But if I ever feel like someone is frustrating me or I'm jealous, they're doing nothing wrong, but I'm comparing or there's something there, I will mute them or unfollow them. Why? Because I know I, my attitude is the breeding ground for altitude. Attitude determines altitude. Some of you are doing the right things. You're making the right choices. But if you would just flip the attitude, the result would be drastically different. Attitude is absolutely everything. With my kids, we're not going so much after actions, but their attitudes. Hey, no, no. Good attitude. 
Josh, good attitude. Mike, good attitude. Maddie, good attitude. Attitude is absolutely everything. There's an atmosphere with attitude. Have you noticed that? That's why there's a great atmosphere in this church. No one feels like they have to be here, except Brad. He has to be here because we wouldn't know what to do without him. But his attitude is, I get to be here. Because there's, people go, there's something, there's a special about Nova. You know what it is? It's attitude. It's passion. We get to do this. And it changes the altitude, what happens in this room. Can I encourage you today, not only the right choices, but the right attitude we do it in. What about direction? This is a big one, isn't it? Direction. We all want direction in our life. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I always thought that transitions and directions only happened as young adults. Trying to figure out who you're going to marry, where you're going to live. I've realized in my life, for me, it seems every 10 years, there seems to be a change of direction and choices. Change is a constant in life. We're all looking for direction. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord, you heard it today, with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Your direction is tied to your devotion. Wherever your heart is, that releases your direction. If you give your God, give God all your heart, if you're leaning with all your heart, it says he'll direct your path. Some of you are looking for direction. Let's go back and look at your devotion. If you pour your heart out to God, he'll pour his direction to you. Your direction is tied to your devotion. Sometimes faith doesn't make sense. That's why it's called faith. It's not calculated equations. It's faith. Martin Luther King said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's faith. Nicky Gumbel, a leader in England, says it this way, until God opens the next door, praise him in the hallway. That's faith. Going, I don't see where I'm going. I don't understand, but I'm trusting. I've made the right choice. I'm following God. And until the door opens, I'll praise him in the hallway. That's a life of faith. The Bible says you please God with your faith. Direction comes from your devotion. Let me ask you, where's your heart today? Where's your passion today? If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you put your devotion in him, he'll put his direction in you. Community. I want to speak about community today. It's a buzzword right now, community. 14.4, Proverbs 14.4. Without an oxen, a stable stays clean. Where are you going with this? Without an oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large Harvest. I read that going through Proverbs. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Progress is messy. People are messy. You don't have an oxen, your barn stays clean, but you got no progress. You got no harvest. You got no increase. You want to have a clean barn? Don't have any animals in it. But if you want to get something done and see something grow in your life, in your community, you've got to get some animals in there that can lift some weight, pull some things, that can do some work. So if you want to have a great harvest, you're going to have a messy barn. Here's the truth today. Progress is messy. People are messy. Community is messy, which tells me church is messy. You want an uncluttered, uncomplicated, unmessy life? Have no people in it. Don't go to church. Stay home. Lock your door. Shut off your phone. Why? Because people are messy. But the harvest we're looking for, the success we need, the blessing and the fullness we crave is found in the mess of community. We're in that as the church. In these meetings that we do in private, we deal with attitudes and misunderstandings. More than once, people have left here on our dream team in tears. Is that too real today? Because it's hot and there's decisions and kids are crying and things don't working and the preacher preaches too long and stuff is going on. And some days, sometimes, it's messy. If you're looking not to get offended, this is not the church for you. Sometimes things happen. Why? Because people are messy. Have you realized that yet? Families are messy. 
Churches are messy. But I realize in the middle of the mess, there is progress. And I believe God is growing this church and growing our influence and wants to help our city. And sometimes we deal with mess. That's why disagreement is not disunity. We disagree on our team. We disagree in our family. We just have moments where we're going, I wouldn't have done it that way or I don't understand that. And we walk through it. And sometimes it's messy, but progress is messy. Some of you have a problem leaning into community because you're afraid of the mess. Embrace the mess. We'll clean the mess. We'll get it reset and we'll do it again next week. Why? Because we need a harvest and that comes from messy burns and we'll clean it up. Some of you aren't going to feel appreciated enough if you help on this team. Some of you are going to feel like, man, they don't brag on me enough. It's going to be messy at times. Some of you are going to be like, I don't understand why we're doing that. I don't think we need to do that. Do we really need that many flags all over Halifax before we show up on a Sunday morning? There's a lot of stuff. But community is messy. But I've realized it's easy to have community through your phone on Instagram. That's not messy. But that's not community. And people are starving for a fullness that they can't get through a device. It's found in community. That's why this fall... You're going to hear about it in a few weeks. We're launching our Nova groups, our small groups, which is another level for you to jump into community, which will be messy and fun and full of food and adventure and sports and Bible and prayer and everything. And there will be moments where we have conversations going, I don't like this. Yeah, it's messy. And we're going to fix it and help it and clean it up. But there's a harvest coming. Why? Because community is messy. Church is messy. Some of you today, you feel unstable in your emotions, your finances, your relationships. You may feel like you have no options today. You walked in here, going, I don't have any option. I can't retire because of this. Or my marriage, I don't think I can work it out with this person. It's been so long and they won't change. Or my kids are frustrating me. Or with God, I don't know. And maybe some of you feel like you're poor in spirit today. Maybe you feel like you are trapped and you have no options. But I remind you today, you always have a choice. And if we put God's word into practice now, if we give him our choices He'll give us his options. We believe the best is yet to come. Did you hear that today? We believe the best is yet to come. If you're a pessimist, I don't think you can be a Christian and a pessimist. It's going to get worse. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The Bible says he has a plan for good, not for evil. People go, well, I'm just going to, let me just get real with you for a moment. And then they go into this negative spiel. I'm aware of the mess and the problems, but I'm also aware of the greatness of God. And we believe the best is yet to come. We have hope today. Our hope is not deferred. When you follow Jesus and his plan, his ways are better than we can imagine. My friends, to get something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And some of you today feel like you're trapped. You feel like you're stuck in a moment in your marriage, in your finances, maybe even your health. If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. The reason why some of you are getting the same results you've always had is you're doing the things you've always done. Some of you, can I encourage you? Read your Bible. Lean into community. See what the Bible says about your life. Start making the right choices and watch the options change. Watch the atmosphere change. Watch God deal with your attitude and what you're going through today. If we make the right choices to honor God, our options will change. Three years ago, I felt like I was stuck and I had no options. I chose to trust God with a choice and my options opened up. My friends, it's the same thing for you. I believe the best is yet to come when we honor God. Today, I wanna give you a choice. If you can just bow your head for a moment as we close. The greatest choice you can make is saying, I wanna trust God with my life. 
we call it salvation. We call giving your life to Jesus Christ. And what you're saying is, I want to make a choice to trust in God, which means I give God my past and my sin, where I've been far from God, done on my own, and I give him my life say, God, direct me. Jesus, direct me. Lead me. I want to trust you. To, I want us to be reunited. I want you to come into my life and actually be real in my life. That's the greatest choice you can ever make today. In a moment, on the count of three, if you want to pray that prayer today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment all over this place. Say, Mike, will you just pray for me in a moment? And you're going to lift your hand and put it right back down. And we're going to agree together today by starting with the right choice. You know that if you died tomorrow, that you're right with God, that there's a place in heaven for you. That's what giving your life does to God. You can know that whether you live for the next 80 years, that God is with you. He'll lead you, direct you, help you. That's what giving your life to God looks like. He's saying, God, I want you to be in charge of my life. Today, maybe you've never made that choice. Maybe you made that choice years ago, but you walked away. This is your moment today. ABC. The attitude right now is, hey, I need God in my life. And by the choice, we're going to see something happen. Your attitude is going to affect your altitude. Right now, God wants to move in and touch your life. If that's you all over this place on the count of three, we'll get you to raise your hand. One, it's not everybody, but it's somebody in this place. Two, you're saying, Mike, pray for me today. I want to give my life to Jesus and follow him. Three, all over this place, raise your hand right up and put it right back down. Put it right back down. I see those hands. I see those hands. You put it right back down. So many today. Can we all stand to our feet today? Can we all stand to our feet today? Can you repeat after me, everybody in the room, musicians, everyone, can we pray together with the six or seven or eight people that I saw hands go up today? I want to applaud you say, well done, great choice. But today we're going to pray together and believe a moment's going to happen, amen? Come on, repeat after me. Dear Jesus Christ, I thank you that you're real in my life. I give you my life. I give you my heart and my passions. I give you my past and my regrets. And I give you my now and my future. Would you come in and make yourself real in my life? Would you show up today and be real today? I love you. I want to know you. And today I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name.